Prologue of A Crown for Joanna. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Therese. A Crown for Joanna by Sister Mary Jean Dorsey, O.P. Prologue The Gossip of the Marketplace. February 1452. Rose's fingers were too cold to be very swift at sorting the slippery little fish, even had she been interested in the process. Tia Carlotta had a sharp tongue, and her new assistant was not anxious to sample its edge, but it was hardly to be wondered at that her thoughts were elsewhere. Who could be expected to devote much attention to a basket of full of sardines with such news in the air? Truly, it was not every day of the week that brought such excitement to Lisbon. Every church and convent tower in Portugal was peeling out the joyful news that a princess was born in the royal castle, and even in the miserable quarter of the city where the fish markets were, people were more interested in the good news than in their wares. Balling cattle and bleeding sheep from a nearby alley testified that other merchants, too, were neglecting their stalls. The narrow streets and even the flat rooftops were full of gesticulating people, all noisily repeating what they had heard and paying little attention to whether anyone listened or not. Joanna, that's a pretty name. Bits of gossip fluttered from tongue to tongue. Joanna, after the holy Joanna de Alza. No, no, after St. John the Evangelist, to whom the Queen, God bless her, has great devotion. But no, it could not be. Did not Queen Isabella make a pilgrimage to the shrine of St. Dominic's mother, praying for an heir to the throne? Joanna, too bad it was a girl. A throne is always uneasy with a girl. Joanna. Rosa listened as she soared the last of the fish, and picked up the flat basket to carry it over to Tia Carlotta. The cackling laugh of the old woman met her as she approached. The fires of gossip burn bright today, she said. Someone is sure to get scorched. Too bad it wasn't a boy, said Rosa. Then he would be king some day in his own right. Tia Carlotta shook her head. No, child, it only appears that way. A prince may be fine, but a princess. Ah, there's a valuable piece of property. What's a prince? He may be a good king, but he may also grow up to be an idler and spend his time following the hounds while his people starve. But a princess? You can trade a princess for a pretty bit of a kingdom if you're wise enough. Ah, yes. She shook her head sagely and cackled again. The king will not mind that his heir is a daughter. You can manage a daughter. You are very wise, Tia Carlotta, said the girl humbly. I don't see how you know so much. Humph, said the old woman. I keep my eyes open. That's one good way to learn. There are many things that pass in the marketplace, more than in the palaces of kings. If you are smart enough to keep still and listen, you will hear much. If you talk much, you will hear little and no one listens to what you say. Rosa laid the basket of sardines on the ground in front of them, and sat down with her back to the wall, pulling her ragged shawl closer about her against the chill. For instance, continued Tia Carlotta, when good weather comes, what will you see along that highway? Pilgrims, said Rosa, that will be fun. Tia Carlotta grunted, not pilgrims only, Ambassadors will come from far countries, Spain, France, England, or maybe further still. 
They say there are places further away than England. They will gallop through the town in their trappings of gold and scarlet, scaring decent people and eating up all the food. And what will they want? Her voice changed to a mincing whine. The sovereign of Castile does the very great honor of asking for the hand of the princess of Portugal for his son Hernando, who will be two years old this Easter. Or, the king of France requests the hand of the princess Joanna for his most excellent brother, the Duke of Guine. Why, he's an old man, exclaimed Rosa indignantly, and the princess is only a baby. Even when she grows up, he will be years and years older than she is. Tia Carlotta shrugged her shoulders. I didn't say it was fair. I merely said that's what happens. They'll make the best match they can, and go back to their court, congratulating themselves on the bargain they've struck. And when the princess is six or seven, she will go to a foreign court to learn their language and their ways, and forget she ever laid eyes on Portugal. Suppose the princess doesn't want to marry the one they pick out for her? Rosa asked. The old woman laughed. She probably won't, but it matters very little. The princess has even less to say about those things than other girls would have. She will wear fine linens and soft silks from the land of the great Khan, Rosa said to herself. She will have jewels on every finger, and pearls for her hair, and fine foods to eat. But she will have to marry someone she has never seen before, someone who is perhaps years older or younger than she. Aloud she remarked, I'm sure I couldn't be happy in her place. You'll never have to, said Tia Carlotta shortly. Fisher folk have problems enough trying to keep alive without worrying over the troubles of kings. I feel sorry for her, Rosa insisted. That won't help either of you, Tia Carlotta said. Those things are expected of a princess, just as hunger and cold are expected of fisher folk. Some years there is a good run of fish and we have enough to eat. Some years there isn't and our children starve. Some princesses have happy marriages and some don't. Why worry about them? They don't worry about us. Queen Isabella is kind, said Rosa. She is always kind to the poor. Yes, Tia Carlotta agreed grudgingly. But then, that's what riches are for, to help those who are poor, and to give the rich a chance to practice charity. But it's few enough of them who care whether we live or die. A wine-cart on loudly squealing wheels lurched down the narrow street below them. There'll be gay celebrations. For the rich, said Tia Carlotta sourly. Rosa was too cold to answer, and there seemed little to say anyway. She sat hunched against the stall, her eyes following the stream of people surging in the street at the end of the alley where the fish markets were. No one wanted any fish today, and of course there was a good catch. Monks and shopkeepers and merchants and children pushed and hurried through the crowded street, apparently with no particular place to go, but noisily insisted on getting there. She brightened as George, a boy from a neighboring market, came running up the alley and dropped breathless beside her. "'Guess what I saw!' he gasped. "'A dragon by the looks of you,' said Tia Carlotta. "'A herald!' said George. "'I ran after him for a long, long time. "'He is telling everyone to make ready.' that all the nobles of the kingdom are coming, and there will need to be food and housing for them and their servants. More work, no more money, grumbled an old woman from the next stall. Always more work. We will have to go hungry ourselves so they can be fed. It's always the way. Why are they coming here? asked Rosa. George, almost bursting with importance, answered, to pledge their loyalty to the princess, 
so in case the king should die she would be their lawful ruler then they're all come cried rosa it will be a great sight nobles and bishops and archbishops and-and everything said george jumping to his feet i've got to go to find my father he's going with the men to the provinces for fruit maybe i'll get to go too he ran off shouting with excitement rosa settled back with a sigh against the stall i wish i were a boy so i could go out to the provinces she exclaimed tira carlotta laughed your princess probably would wish she were a boy too she said a lot of good it does to wish there was a loud shout from nearby alley the chatter of chickens the sharp accent of scolding women around the corner ran three frightened hens squawking and flapping their awkward wings almost on top of them ran a terrified calf bawling behind the calf came a pell-mell procession of small boys the chickens flapped themselves out of the way under a stall and the calf running into a corner was caught by the boy in lead the whole group ended up in a tangle almost on top of the sardine merchant what do you mean by this shrieked tia carlotta angrily upsetting decent people's wares with your stupid animals get out you and your calf it's brother jerome's calf gasped this tall boy who was holding it he's bought three more chimed in another boy this one got away so i see said tia carlotta well get out anyway go find brother jerome just then brother jerome himself came puffing around the corner he was a little stout and the calf had given him a merry chase so he stood for a moment wiping his forehead and trying to unwind the long black scapular that had twisted around him as he ran with a great effort he regained his breath and addressed here carlotta that calf a very imp of the wicked one he said i wonder if it's safe to use this hide for the princess's hour book oh said rosa you bought him for vellum yes said brother jerome brother alvarez has worked for six years on a book of hours for some great benefactor now the prior says he should finish it for the princess so i poor brother jerome must leave my poor silly sheep to look after themselves while i go to market to buy an imp of a calf that runs away from me sheepskin would do for an ordinary book but no not for this one the prior says nothing but the finest vellum so he shrugged his shoulders vellum it is will it be for one of those huge books like the ones in the cathedral asked rosa the ones with the stories of the saints no no child said brother jerome giving a firm hold on the calf that's not the style any more it's for smaller and smaller books they're asking one you can actually hold in your hand imagine and by the time the princess god bless her is big enough to read it brother alvarez will have it finished it's a beauty i tell you you should see the dixie page what's a dixie page asked one of the little boys brother jerome looked shocked children are not taught their latin any more he said i don't know what the world is coming to i really don't the dixie page my young friend is the page that begins the first psalm of the vespers in the little office of our lady dixie dominus domino meo the lord said unto my lord ah uh, and brother alvarez's dixie page a jewel a real jewel he has the most beautiful angel on it just like a real angel from heaven and the blue in the background is superb such a fine blue like the madonna's own mantle only brother alvarez understands how to grind such a blue it must be very lovely said rosa it would be wonderful to know how to read it's a great responsibility to be a lettered person said brother jerome 
wagging his head. May the Lord grant her to be a good ruler to her people. Since he had by now quite regained his breath, he turned his attention to the calf. We must be on our way, my little friend with the fleet foot, if we want to get home before sundown. And you'd better be glad you've got energy to burn. You may have to pull old brother Jerome up the hill. Good day, my friends, and God bless you all. He gave the calf a hearty prod and started down the alley, followed by the little boys. Rosa watched them until they were out of sight. What a lot of excitement it causes for a princess to be born, she said. And around her the winds caught the bits of gossip and tossed them from stall to stall. Joanna, that's a pretty name. The queen is a saint. There is no doubt about it. It is her prayers that have won an heir to the throne. Joanna, Portugal has an heir. Joanna. End of prologue. Recording by Maria Therese.